and it was never intended to do so. So we shouldn't treat it that way. Especially us who are in the church and have, and have this new life in Christ and this new reality among us, we should not use the law in that way. That's not what it was intended for. Let me pray for us and we'll get into our, our verses for today. Lord, as we, as we dive into this, Lord, help us to, to see our deep need. Um, help us to see our great weakness, our great uh, inability in and of ourselves to accomplish the, the, the things we desire, the, the, the life we desire, the fruit we desire, that we are just completely incapable of that. Lord, help us come to a place where we recognize our, our absolute incapability this morning. May your words speak that to us. May your spirit teach us that this morning. Help to kind of wreck any, any um, preconceived notions of our ability to be righteous, our self-righteousness. Just pray that you'd help me be clear this morning about your word, make it understandable, and that uh, we would walk away as different people this morning because of your truth. In your name, amen. So he starts here in verse 14. He says this. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. This one phrase here, sold into bondage to sin, uh, has perplexed theologians uh, because it seems to, and I don't know if this struck you the moment I read it, but it strikes me every time I read it, it seems to go, wait, 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 is, now, is Paul now contradicting everything he said in chapter 6? Right? Because we're free from sin, right? We're... we're um, I think I might have put these verses in here. Nope, I didn't. Uh, you know, Romans 6 is saying that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with. So that, you know, rendered powerless was the word there. That our body of sin would be rendered powerless so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. And he's like, wait, wait, we're sold into bondage to sin. Wait, what? How does that work? Six, uh, Romans chapter 6, 17, 18 say... Um, Though you were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed, and having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Well, are we slaves of righteousness, or are we sold into bondage to sin? How does that work? Well, when you understand what Paul's, where Paul's going here, it makes absolutely complete sense. Because what he's saying here is this. He, he, he says, for we know that the law, it, it's a spiritual thing. It's a spirit-given thing, right? The, the, this, is, this is something beyond human, human understanding. This is why we need to trust in what God says and, 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 and you know, the, the, why the Bible is so key to our lives is that so much of what it has to say, we would never figure out on our own, right? It's not a human thing. It's, it's beyond us. But I am a human thing, right? I'm not beyond myself. I'm, I still live in this flesh. 
And, and the flesh, again, I, I said this is, this is an important word um, in Paul's, Paul's argument here. It, it's, it's the idea, it's a little complex, but it's actually fairly simple in that it basically means when we say stuff like, I'm only human, we're saying, I'm fleshly, right? When, when I say, I'm just a mere mortal, it, that's, what, it's, that's what flesh means, when we look around at humanity and just go, oh my gosh, humans, right? Like that's flesh. That's like, man, we are just sort of weak and limited. And, 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 and we, we need to understand that. Paul's trying to convince us of that here. He's going to be convincing us of, of that, that our humanity is limited, is weak, is ineffective. Our humanity is unproductive and and truly inadequate, insufficient for the task, completely incapable. We are not at all up to the task of the call that God has placed on our lives. We are not up to the task at all to bear the image of God, which is why we were created. We are not up to the task at all to live like Jesus lived and love like Jesus loved. We don't have it. And some and the problem is in our flesh, in our brokenness, in our fallenness, we sometimes think that we do have it. That we might have it. That if I just put enough effort into it, I might get there. That, that, that I, as a human, am, am improving and, and enhancing, and I'm always upgrading myself. And that maybe if I just upgrade myself enough, I'll get there. I just need, like, just tell me what the 10 steps to better flesh is. But flesh, flesh isn't that. Flesh is like me saying, hey, this, by the way, this is a 700-ton boulder. I thought you might like this this morning, Glenn. Can you, do you, <laughs> 700-ton boulder. Now, I don't know about you. I look at that boulder and I think, I want to pick that boulder up, Right? So I'm going to commit myself to pick that boulder up. I'm going to work every day of my life to become someone who's strong enough to pick that boulder up. I might be deluded enough to think that, right? And then you look at this guy who now has the world record... For a deadlift. Which, by the way, he didn't even raise above his head, right? He just raised it this far. That's Hafthor Bjornsson is his name. 31-year-old guy. He just lifted a world record 1,104 pounds. And he's stoked. Because he broke the world record. He's been working much of his life 
to get ripped out like he is so that he could lift 1,104 pounds. What a strong human, right? Only 13,998,896 pounds to go to lift that. This is flesh, guys. This is what Paul is trying to suggest to us, is that we are of flesh. We are limited. We are weak. And we are dumb if we think in and of ourselves we can attain to the, to, to the righteousness and the calling of God on our li- in our lives. We are just dumb. But we are dumb because we believe that. We think, I just need to work a little harder. I need to put a little more effort into it. Good luck. And that is why he says we're sold into bondage to sin. Because it's like trying to lift that rock and saying, I don't know, I've tried my hardest, and every single time I go to lift that rock, it doesn't even budge. I just feel trapped. Because I want to lift that rock. I want to bear the image of God. I want to be the righteousness of God. I hunger and thirst for righteousness, which we all do, correct? We're like, I just want righteousness in my life. I just want what God wants in my life. And we think that's enough. And it's not enough. By the way, a few weeks ago, I I said that I was going to ask you to kind of suspend your disbelief, that we were looking at some things that I think we have to suspend our disbelief. Today, don't have to suspend your disbelief. If there is any passage of Scripture that I've seen more people go, yep, Mm mm-hmm, that's me, yep, is this passage. We're going to read this, and you're going to go, yeah, 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 that's totally me, right? For what I am doing, I do not understand. This is why he feels trapped, right? What I am doing, I do not understand. I don't understand my own choices and my own behavior. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. Anybody relate to that? You're like, oh my gosh. Like, I just want to do the right thing. And then I look at my life and I'm like, what is going on? Like, the very thing I don't want to do is the thing I'm doing. I want to turn right, but I seem to always turn left. Like, what is the deal? I have no greater desire than to rise up and meet God and, and, and love him and live like him. And I just keep falling down. He goes on, he says, but if I do... The very thing I do not want to do, I'm actually agreeing with the law and confessing that it's a good thing, that it's good. See, see, the problem is not that we don't want to do good. It's not that we don't want to live righteously. We do want to live righteously. In fact, I agree with God. I see things his way and want to do things his way. That's not the problem. The problem is this. He said, like, like in, who I am in the inner man, he's going to talk about that in a second. In the inner man, I want to do good. 
I want to follow God's ways. So he says, so now, with that idea in mind, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Who I am, who I really, really am, wants to follow God and wants to follow Him perfectly. But there's a problem, and that's what he wants us to understand. There is a problem. Houston, we have a problem. And that problem is, in our humanity, in our flesh, sin dwells here. Sin lives here. That's the problem. And, and no matter how much I want to do good, no matter how much I want to follow God's ways, the problem is, I'm going to back this up a second, the problem is the flesh. The problem is the sin that lives in me. The problem is not, let's be clear about this, the problem is not my lack of knowledge. If I just had more knowledge, I could conquer sin. No, it's not the problem. The problem is not lack of desire, right? Can we agree we desire to live righteously? It's not a lack of desire. If I just, had, if I just stirred up a little more desire, I could get there. It is not my environment, right? Some, some monastic impulses, like what monks do, is because they just go, I'm just going to change my environment. That's going to fix it. Good luck. It's not going to fix it. Because no matter what environment you're in, you're still in this thing. You can't escape it. Well, you will escape it at one time glorious day, right? But right now, we are in this thing that is corrupted by sin. And, and in the flesh, we lack the ability to live pleasing to God. While God has changed us at a fundamental level, and he has, right? We've been talking about that for a couple months now. He's completely changed us. In, in our inner man and who we really are and the thing that's going to last past this life, the real person we are, but we still dwell in this flesh that is corrupted by sin, that is actually incapable of living up to God's standards. It's, it, it, we're incapacitated, we're weak, we're frail, we're limited. We can't do it. He goes on, he says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. And then he corrects himself for a second because he wants to make a point. Nothing good lives in me. Wait, wait, hold on. That is in my flesh. Does something good live in us? Yeah, the person God has transformed us to be. We are righteous. We are holy. We are, we are sanctified saints. That's who we are. And let's not forget that. But in my flesh, in this limited, weak thing that I live in, 
nothing is good there. Nothing truly good dwells in my humanity. This is, this is the, really the fundamental problem in, in worldview of people who, who buy into humanism, right? Because humanism, the idea of humanism is, and whether you know like that term, humanism is everywhere. Just going in like any junior high and look at the posters on the wall, they're, they're humanism. It's like, you can do it, right? Like just you can, you can attain to whatever you want. Shoot for the stars because humans can do it, right? We, we have unlimited potential. No, we don't. Sorry, you know. If, you know, so if you have a junior high kid, just be honest with them. Nah, you got limited potential. Sorry, you know, like that's, it's just not true. Our human, our, our human person is limited. He says, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. I want to do good. Like, mm. But then I look at last week and I'm like, what? In the, I, I wanted to do good last week, but what? This, I mean, to me, the classic example of this, and I probably use it often because it, it just is so classic, right, is, is um, New Year's resolutions, right? People go, I want to be a better human next year. I want to lose the pounds. I want to, you know, read more books. I want to, whatever. And they're like, I'm going to make a New Year's re- resolution. And how many of those last? I mean, how long do those last, Right. The willing is present, like I want to lose the pounds, but I am weak. The doing of good is not present in this body. I'm I'm incapable of it. It's like being too short, which I can relate to, and the good is on a shelf that I just can't reach. It's not that I don't want what's up on the top shelf, it's the cookie jar or whatever. You know, I'm like, yeah, I really want that. But I can't get there. And I think if I just grab like a cane or something to fish it down, then I'm going to get to it, right? So we have all these like, like how to improve your height, like seminars, right? The problem is every time we grab a cane and reach for it, it seems like the shelf gets higher because we just can't attain to it. Can we relate? Like this is life. This is being human. And so people give up at some point and go, well, I'm just going to do it anyway because I'm only human. Well, there's something to that. At least they're recognizing I'm just limited. For if the good, verse 19, for if the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. Sorry, let me say that again. I didn't say that right. For the good I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil I do not want. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. What he's trying to emphasize to us is, is this conclusion is very, very important. Because he's, he's saying, if the good thing I want to do, I don't do, it's not really me. It's this limitedness that's the problem. So, so, so the solution is not to become a better person. He's going to give us the solution, 
we're not going to get a full solution today, but he gives us the solution. But the solution is not me bucking up and doing better. And let me put it in a church culture context. It's not reading your Bible more often. It's not praying more. Although prayer can be a key to what ends up being the solution. It's not doing more religious practice. It's not attending more services. That will not solve our sin problem. It won't. Because who I really am, I'm good to go. It's not a desire problem. I want to please God. It's a flesh problem. It's a sin that dwells in me problem. Point on your hand out if you want to fill it in. <clears throat> is our sin problem is not because of who we are, but because of the limitation of our sin-scarred humanity. Our sin problem is not because of who we are, but because of the limitations of our sin-scarred humanity. Let me be very clear. The word our here, that pronoun, is talking to the believing community. Because outside of the believing community, their problem is who they are, right? It is. They need to change. They need God to transform the person, right? But this is talking about us as believers. That's not our problem anymore. God has changed who we are. I am who he says I am, right? We sang that this morning. He goes on. I find then the principle that evil is present in me. The one who wants to do good. Principle here um, is actually the word law. Uh, the translators switch the English word because it gets a little confusing. He uses actually the, the Greek word namos, which, which occurs a lot of times in this chapter. But it gets a little confusing because he's not using it the same way every time. And so the translators flip the word. And I'm glad they do, actually. Because, because law doesn't always mean Old Testament law. It doesn't even always mean a, a rule system that, that anybody creates. It can mean that, too. But, but a lot of times it just means how things work. Right? And, and this is a way of how things work. I find that this is the way things are that evil is present within me. It's present here. The one who wants to do good, do, do you see the weird dichotomy? But we can all relate to it, right? We can all go, man, this totally makes sense to me. Like, I want to do good, but there's something wrong. Yes, good. Let's just make sure we identify what the something is that's wrong. And it's this evil that lives inside of us. Evil that's present within us. And, and, and so we need to understand that this is, this is a, a, a hard, fast principle. Like, you have a hundred people who want to do good in their, at the very core of their being. You're also going to find a hundred people who have evil living inside of them. And, and evil is like being morally reprehensible. We have a morally reprehensible part of us. The term I like to think about with this is we have a gear in, a, in us. Like when you're in a car, you know, you got gears. We have a gear. And that gear is just as ugly as the person we used to be. That means we have the capacity 
as believers for all sorts of evil. Right? We have that gear. That's not who we are anymore. Really important to remember and understand and reckon it to be true. But we have that gear. And so any believer can do the most reprehensible of things, which has definitely happened. Name any reprehensible thing, and there's a believer who has gone there. We have that gear. It it, it exists in our lives. We need to recognize that it exists, but we also need to always keep in our mind, and this is the problem. We got to hold both of these things true. That is not us. That's not who we really are. Because the moment we go, oh, I have that gear and I've, I've driven in that gear, I'm not a saint. I'm not a holy one. I am not truly transformed into a new life. I am not, that, those things, you're, we're wrong. We're plain wrong about that. We are holy. But we still have that gear. We still have that ability to do all sorts of reprehensible things. He says, For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. Joyfully agree. Can you, can you guys agree with this? Like, this is totally true in my life. Like, I read a principle in Scripture, and I'm like, yes, I, I completely agree. I, backbiting has only destroyed things in my life. I'm, I never want to backbite ever again. I never want to say a bad thing about anyone ever. And then tomorrow I'm like, oh, man, when, you know, right? Like, what is that? I never want to say anything like that again, right? In the inner man, we joyfully agree with God. The real you, the heart of hearts, the, the true self, that's what inner man means, the, the true you. The part of you that, will, that is eternal, that will live forever, the true person loves God, loves his law, hungers and thirsts for righteousness, wants to serve God, wants to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's who we are. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind. And making me a prisoner, this is this trapped language that he's using, making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. I'm trapped. I'm, I, I'm boxed in because I live in this flesh suit. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm still here, here in this thing. And boy, do I long to be free from it but I'm still here. Again, law, law here is actually namas, it, it, but, it, it, but it's really talking about a principle. You, you, found, you find this to be consistently true that I'm limited. And, and, and so there's this, there's this war going on. There's this battle going on that again, you sit down with any Christian and they're like, yeah, I know that battle. I've been fighting there. I know what that's like. Because now you have the real you and the desires that you have to please God consistently and fully and with everything that you are. But you live in this flesh that, that, 
that there's a, a, a different set of principles that are working there that are evil. And unfortunately, when we come to this realization, what, what many people tend to do is they, is they, they, they just say, I'm not, I'm not devoted enough. So, so I need more devotion to God. I, 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 I slip up too much, so I need more accountability in my life. I, I, my efforts are not enough, so I need to double down on my efforts. And what you're saying is, I need more flesh involved here. What's the problem with that logic from Paul's point of view? Evil lives there. Why are you doubling down on the thing that's evil? Your efforts have been futile in the past. They're going to be futile in the future. Can we ever get it? Well, my strategies have just not been effective enough. I need new flesh strategies. Let me read some, some, some books that are going to help me. I, I, just, I, need, I need a purpose-driven life. I need, I need to set up better boundaries in my life. I need the power of positive thinking in my life. I need rhinoceros success. It's a best-selling book. I guess something about like going towards your goals, you know, like a rhinoceros charges. I don't know. I just need better flesh principles in my life. Which, by the way, like purpose-driven life has some good wisdom in there. I'm not saying it's a bad book, but, but when we go to it right, and go, this is going to fix my flesh problem, good luck. Because it's not. Because your flesh and my flesh is the problem. Let's identify it clearly. And better flesh is not going to help with that. Which brings Paul to this conclusion that we all probably can relate to and maybe have said in a different way. Wretched man that I am. Who will set me free from this body of death? I hate this war that's going on. Can somebody set me free from my limitations? Can somebody set me free from the brokenness of this thing, the evil of this thing that I live in? I'm wretched. I'm I'm miserable. I'm a a sad specimen of humanity. There's a, a... philosopher from the first century who has a, a quote that says, what am I? I'm just a miserable particle of humanity. I, I go, yeah, that's how I feel. Like I just, gosh, it's a miserable particle of humanity. It's positive, right? <laughs> Point your hand out. Is sin still lives in us? and wages war against our deepest desires to live for and love our God. Sin still lives in us and wages war against our deepest desires to live for and love our God. There's a question for us to talk about for a little bit. Can you relate? Can you relate to Paul's struggle? And if so, how? Let's talk about it for a second. I think probably the answer is going to be yes, but let's talk about how you can relate to that for a few minutes. I'm going to leave us hanging a little bit because we can't quite get into chapter 8 yet, um, which is going to be amazing. But he says, uh, right after he says, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Right? He's talking about this 
this angst that lives in him, and he's just so frustrated by the reality of it. He's like, ah, oh, wretched particle of humanity. Who will set me free from this body of death? And he doesn't say no one. Yes. He doesn't say nothing will set me free from this body of death. Something and someone will set me free from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He will set us free from this body of death. Now he's not going into details yet on how that works. We'll get there. But he's the one who sets us free. There's, there, there's a solution. It's not just this, this eternal war with no victory. Although I really do believe from, from years of being in community with Christians that there are many Christians, and I know I was here, we live in chapter 7 and never get to chapter 8. We live in the war and we live in defeat. And we think that that is normal. And we're wrong about that. We're wrong. In our humanness, it seems like it, it is normal. It seems like the status quo and the way it should be. It's actually something I appreciate about this book that I told you I've been reading by Watchman Nee, which you guys are going to read a little excerpt from it this morning. But the title of that book is The Normal Christian Life. And when you read the book, most Christians would go, that's abnormal. And all he's doing is laying out Romans 6, 7, and 8 in that book. This, the normal Christian life is not Romans chapter 7. The normal Christian life is... God rescuing us, not just from sin's consequences, but rescuing us from a life of perpetual defeat to sin. He's provided the answer. We are weak, and we need to be utterly convinced of that. But we can exchange that weakness for his strength. We are absolutely limited. But our solution lies in the all-powerful God. We are completely incapable of living the life that we want to live, having the fruit that we want to have in our lives. We are completely incapable of it. But he's utterly sufficient for it. And it, it reminds me of, of, of Jesus' words, which I don't think I have on here. I don't. Where he, where he said, because these, these religious leaders were coming and going, man, it's just like you want to just blow up the law. You just want to ignore everything that God's ever said about anything. He's like, no, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to blow up the law. I came so that you as humanity could actually fulfill the law. 
That, you, that actually you could be living in those, those deepest desires that you have. You want to follow God with everything that you are. I've got a solution for how you can. And I'm going to provide that for you in my death, burial, resurrection, and the return of my spirit into your life. There's a solution. And then he just kind of sums up his thoughts here. He says, so then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. I'm serving what God wants in my mind, in my desires, and what I really want. But with the other, serving flesh and the law of sin. There's a solution coming. But the foundation that we have to have, the reason why he even talks about this before he talks about the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the reality of chapter 8, is that we've got to understand where the problem lies. We've got to understand what this battle really is in order to allow the effectiveness of our God to, to, to affect our lives in a very transformative way. Pointing your hand out if you want to fill it in is Jesus has the solution to address our human weakness. Jesus has the solution to address our human weakness. Let's just read the conclusion together here. The battle rages on in the life of every believer. While we desire deeply to please God in every respect and live the way God always intended us to live, we can't seem to reach it. We are too weak and incapacitated. While this is a hard truth to come to terms with, it is the first and entirely necessary step that clears the way for dependence upon another whose power and ability are more than enough. Faith is absolutely essential for coming to Christ and it is no less indispensable in living for, in Christ, for Christ. What I wanted to end with uh, this morning is um, I was thinking about, actually I put a couple questions here in at the end, and, and I actually thought, you know what? I really like this passage from, uh, from Watchman Nee, from this book. I thought it was worthwhile just to, for you guys to read it together. And then maybe just discuss what he's saying there. I think he, he encapsulates this idea in, in such good language. So um, let's do that. Let's discuss it for a little bit.